Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I'm David Pettit, and in the week that the phrase war should remain on the tabletop has become more relevant than ever, this man is probably in the process of tarting up that tabletop to sell online. <laughs> it's Rich O'Keefe. <laughs> oh, that's harsh, man. <laughs> Hey Rich, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a good good place this week. Um, no no more kids' illnesses or anything else. So uh, perked up, and I've uh, I've got a few things in store for you today. Oh, so we found that one day window when your kids aren't sick to actually record the oh, show. I feel blessed. Geez. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was sickness and vomiting first, and then my uh, my little one had a, a raspy cough and had to be kept in the hospital over the weekend. Oh, so. My Lord. Uh, yeah, that was that was a couple of weeks ago. Now he's all he's all good now. Anyway, we should uh, probably get onto the specifics of the uh, corporate spiel. So you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. So what have we got coming up this week? Well, we are going to shock people by going through some hobby progress. Yes, and, uh, not not to spoil too much, but. Have you been working on some terrain, Dave? I have been. I am I excited. Been. Yep, got got uh, got to the end of my Templar cycle at the moment. Nice. Pending. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd focus on a few other projects, Ooh, multiple. I'm excited to talk through this. And we'll cover some GW releases, although there haven't been that many. Um, no, which, it's been a quiet month, actually. It's, it's been quiet, which is fine, because uh, mm. that leaves us plenty of time to uh, dive into our topic. But before we get there, you've got a game to talk about, which is going to be interesting. Well, a weekend of games. I Yes, I actually joined a uh, Deployment Zone TV weekend. Well, I mean, mm. it wasn't officially there, guys, but uh, yeah, it's one of the custodians of their Discord. Nice. Uh, hosted a narrative event, so that was very good fun. I've deliberately not asked you about this in text message format um, because I've wanted to get your reaction, or I wanted to, you know, get a, get a chat with you about it here and now. So, yes, yes, be... I've, I've I've just about recovered. It was about two days ago now, so uh, oh, you're we're we're all good. You're refreshed. Yes, my legs have recovered from <laughs> standing over a table. Your back has you forgiven know. you. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm not a young young man anymore. So uh, shut up. Well, I mean, the worst the worst part was going. Oh, it's it's five thirty. It's just finished. If I leave now, I'll catch the kids' bedtime. Do I leave it half an hour and get home when they're already in bed? <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. As, as we know, your wife doesn't listen to this, so you might get away with it. I've got away with it entirely. <laughs> nice. And uh, we are going to dive into a topic that is something we've mentioned what offhand a couple of times over the last x number of months and we're going to get into proper discussion on is 40k too complicated and uh we'll do yeah we'll do our level best not to regurgitate uh and was it was it lawrence and chef uh doing this discussion on tt a, a while back um uh, yeah this i mean this discussion has been had across uh, many different channels actually and just wanted to get our take on it it is we want to take the layman's um people who don't really know what they're doing uh view on this to <laughs> <laughs> rather than some form of professional approach uh but before we get into oh and of course and of course we'll be rounding things off with a hobby tip which i'm going to lean on you for some input on here because it's quite a broad topic but mm. before we do that your favorite segment dave it is. It's the show news. It's show news. Yes. I have something special for you. You do? Uh, talking to sponsors. This right, is, this okay. This is a, a sponsor segment. 
Uh, I've actually hired low budget Alicia Keys to tell us what sponsors we've got at the moment. Thank you. Was that less than 15 right seconds? So we're under copyright requirements. No, no, no. It, it, it was a non-copyright Alicia Keys. Nice, nice. I, I knew that. I knew that. I'm well yeah. up on my pop, Dave. Don't, don't, don't try. Uh, but no, we have the first sponsor of the show. Do we? This is news to me. Yeah. Well, this is, it, this is news to you because um, the 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 um, the channel and the uh, website don't know about it yet. But uh, yeah, this is the platform. <laughs> That they're going to listen to uh, their very first advert on any medium. Do you want to listen to this? I mean, I, I cannot wait to listen to this, Dave, and I cannot wait to dive into whether this is actually serious or a joke. Because right now I'm on the fence. So, oh, so, so hit me with it. it. It's serious. They don't know about it yet, but uh, it's someone. It's someone close to our hearts. You'll love it. I am the terrain creator. I am the terrain creator. <laughs> I am the terrain creator. Co.uk. I am the terrain creator. I am the terrain creator. I am the terrain creator. Co.uk. What have you done? <laughs> what have you done? Oh my god! That's free advertising right there. For the six people that are still listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm not paying you for this, Dave. <laughs> well, you, you might change your mind. I mean, but uh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a fantastic song. It's catchy. It's not as bad as Fat Matt's. And it's uh, not as bad as <laughs> Fat Matt's. Good God! But I mean, you, you can't just leave it there. You need to reach a broader audience. Of course. So there are oh, there are other versions of the advert. Just think international. Je suis un terrain creator. Je suis un terrain creator. Je suis un terrain creator. Dotco.uke. Despite my great terrain creator. Je suis un terrain creator. Je suis un terrain creator. Dotco.uke. I mean, so if that's you pretending to be French. You could be upsetting a few people. I could be. Uh, well, do you not like it? Do you not want to reach an international audience? I do, Dave. It's just, you know... <laughs> oh, fine. Scrap that. Sorry, guys. Ich bin der oh, no. terrain creator. Ich oh, bin no. der. <laughs> Didn't mean to click on that one. Sorry. Amazing. I'll, uh, no, I'll you... cancel the other ones as well. Yeah, sure. Just phone the studio, Dave. Send, send the crew home. <laughs> So, so, you, so you've had a quiet week at work, yeah? <laughs> Just to clarify, if your hobby progress is very light, do you know what you've wasted your time on? <laughs> I mean, you call it wasting your time. I call it uh, I was slightly drunk the other night, having <laughs> having a few glasses of wine. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is what the people get when we, when we switch to a monthly format. <laughs> slightly oh. inebriated Dave, everyone's favourite. Yeah. <laughs> Right, should we actually cover the uh, the the actual show news? I mean, I'm uh, scared as to where it might lead to, but yeah, probably yeah. before people completely hey, I've done stop another listening. song. I've done another song for this one. Ready? No, no, no I, I really haven't. <laughs> um, yeah, so part of the uh, the community and part of the way that I keep up with the community are through several uh, Discord servers. Mm. So uh, you re- reached out to me, and you were you. I think are quite new to the whole Discord scene. I'm 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 enough older than you that yes, I'm a step behind. 
So I can't remember exactly what you said to me, but you were like, oh, this this is great. Have you have, Are you part of any Discord servers? And I was sort of showed you the list of 20 or so that I was already a part of. Yeah, I'm going to say right now I did not use the word server. I just said, are you in? Are you on Discords, I think? <laughs> like your parents say, I joined the Facebooks. Oh, I paid for the internets. But no, no, we. Uh, I, I have been uh, actually one of the admins of a, another Discord server. And we thought, what better way to reach out to people, uh, get in touch with uh, those people on Patreon as well. It's much easier uh, than to set up our own Discord. Indeed. So I have been working tirelessly uh, for about <laughs> Copy pasting three for about hours. 10 minutes. <laughs> it's about three hours. Uh, basically setting up our own Discord server. But what we'll do, we'll stick a link to the, the bottom of the description of this video. It'll go on our link tree as well, which covers the Facebook and um, Instagram, etc., etc. Also, exactly, and and it's going to start small. Um, I've I've created a few um, a few channels on there, uh, quite a few channels on there actually, probably more than we should do. <laughs> uh, but no, it'll start off small, and it'd be a great time to um, just get in touch with us and have it as part of your normal Discord server repertoire. And uh, yeah, it uh, hopefully should grow into a, a big community where we can all talk hobby and, and be safe from the outside world, so to speak. Indeed. And jo join in for much fun and games and chatting and also being able to skip the first 20 minutes of the show because you'll know what our hobby progress is. So it's like a double <laughs> win. Uh, but I mean, it's a place for other people to show their hobby progress. Exactly. As well, That's so. what would be cool to see yeah. so many people's stuff. So many people's stuff. Live. That's English. Yeah. <laughs> You'd live vicariously through the uh, podcast where we nick your pro hobby progress. We totally steal your ideas. Off. Yeah. Pass it off as our own. Uh, but uh, yeah, speaking of hobby progress, let's move into it. Go on then. And Hits up. as you said, I have been working on some terrains. Uh, I am excited. Let's talk about yes. this endlessly yes, for let the rest me of the show. <laughs> reach back about two foot, make sure it doesn't all come crashing down. But I have a few pieces of terrain that I've been Ooh. building. This is looking. Yes, this is looking like plastic. I like it. Yes, this is a big silo called a ferrotonic. I think it's called a ferrotonic furnace. Yes, something like that. But uh, yeah, it's a big, big industrial silo uh, that comes as part of the set. It gives you loads of gubbins as well, um, and some munitorum crates as well. Munitorum containers. They're very good. Uh, it's a very good kit that is because yes, you get the containers, but you also get all the barrels and boxes as well, which is nice. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So uh, I have quite a big repertoire of uh, of um, terrain as well, because you and uh, old average brick gaming Nick were very kind to me on my uh, my milestone birthday this year and got me a load of um, Orc Junktown kill team terrain as well. Well, we thought you might as well start by painting something that's a junk town. So if you do a crap job, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's like a warm up. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I've, I've got that out and started uh, cutting and shaving the bits the uh the little bits off that so that's that's in progress as well so i've got a big terrain uh backlog thanks to you two should be in the the works in the next few weeks what i'm going to try and do with some of the um the sector mechanicus i think it's called now is to try and integrate it with some uh, more natural um stone work for mm -hmm. the badlands because i've got the the badlands fat map uh yeah so i'm going to try and integrate it all and obviously the the junk town terrain will work brilliantly with that and hopefully it will work with some of the um sector mechanica stuff as well because it's all quite industrial so uh yeah it's all gonna all gonna go together and then have them uh, maybe separate as well so i can mix up two separate tables uh using the same mat 
Yeah, I think having a variety of scatter, or not scatter pieces, but a variety of building things you can place around and the rocks and everything. Uh, you'll have a couple of different setups, and if you're going to do a big game or a thousand point game or whatever, you'll have the variability to, to kind of build something different each time, which is always good. Mm. And that orc terrain's pretty smart. Like, you've got the corner pieces. But I love you, it. You can clump them all together as a giant orc bastion. Um, you can do quite a lot with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was thinking of having like a a junkyard area that yeah. could be part part of another board as well. So, yeah, lots, lots of uh, possibilities. And one such army that would look very at home on the uh, battle mat as well are my Tau. So, Ooh, yeah. yes, I finally got back to uh, doing my Tau. Thought it was only apt, um, considering the um, codex might have um, fallen fallen into my basket this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been taking some of my old Tau models and actually using one of your hobby tips, which was using the Biostrip 20 oh, to strip magic. paint off models. It is, it is magic. It's ridiculous. Like A painted model goes in. It looks like PVA glue. Yep. Um, you take it out, give it a scrub after about half an hour to an hour, and the model just comes completely off, and you're back yep. to grey plastic. Uh, and it doesn't stink. It doesn't stink. And if you get it no. yourself, it won't burn you. It's really weird how it's so effective and yet not caustic in any way it's 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 fantastic i can't recommend it enough got it off amazon it was only about 20 pounds i think for a tub that's going to last forever um yep. so it's it, it it's brilliant i can't can't praise it enough so uh yeah i've stripped a couple of fire blades a broadside battle suit an old fine cast commander because it's not limited to only uh, metal and plastic it's brilliant they're they're back to the gray plastic and i've actually been um, painting them up using a quick test scheme. Always loved the classic Tau ochre colour scheme. Um, but my old Tau were white and snowy. Um, but this time I've, I've bitten the bullet and I've gone for the ochre theme. Uh, and I've tried to use uh, an airbrush to, to do it quickly because the, the key with this army project is to do it quickly but to a decent standard. Yeah. And I'm hoping I can achieve it with the airbrush. Um, and then bodge a few mistakes with chipping, with a sponge chipping, um, and some glow effects as well, some OSL with some quick basing should be quite a uh, fast colour scheme to do. Cool. So, yes, yeah, super excited about that. And uh, yeah, Tau, Tau were my first army, and they've always been sort of my second love after the Templars, obviously. So it'd be good to uh, get them back on the tabletop, and hopefully by the time I finish the army, Tau won't be in such a place where people don't want to pay, play you as a as a Tau player. <laughs> they're in a bit of a sticky situation at the moment where they've had a glow up, but they've almost got a bit too good in some people's opinions. Oh, have they? Um, they know that yes. awkward spot. Yeah, so uh, people are, are unwilling to, or not unwilling, but they're a bit hesitant to play Tau at the moment because they've heard how good they are. Um, but right. hopefully that's that's just a case of they're very good in the competitive format, but if okay. you take a normal list, they're, they're um, stripped back slightly, a bit like Sisters. So uh, okay. yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we are with that. Um, and the other thing I've been working on this week is, uh, well, I haven't really been working on it at all. It's the Conversion Mini. So I have okay, yeah. spray painted it. That's more than I've done, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this morning I spray painted it. That's pretty much all of the work I've done on it since last episode. Um, yeah, so like you said, I've been I went to a narrative weekend, so I was mm. trying to finish off one or two models for that. 
just because of the the um, list rules. You do love painting uh, stuff to a deadline, that. so that's kind of worked out of it, actually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, before it was to go on YouTube, and now it's to go to this narrative event, so I'm just working from deadline to deadline at the moment. If that's keeping things rolling, mate, that's good for you. But uh, I thought I'd get through my hobby progress a bit quicker this week, because last week was ridiculously long. I think we got to almost an hour into the episode, and we were still finishing up our hobby progress, <laughs> or an hour into recording, at least, anyway, so... <laughs> Getting true. insight of how too much is how much is edited, but uh, uh, yeah, what about yeah, <laughs> what about you? Uh, you've been not so much for DK, but you've been working on a fair few things as well. Yeah, I've been working on a few bits and pieces. So I mentioned on the last episode that I was painting a, I had a com- commission for a ten mil scale uh, model village. Well, model village, the buildings for a uh village set of terrain i suppose is the best way to make is the best way to phrase it and yeah i managed to get all those done they're really easy to paint actually uh it's one of those things that you never use your miniature paints on terrain normally unless you're doing certain things uh i did a video about that it's uh you did do a video it, about it's, it's that. a bit of a misnomer that you shouldn't you shouldn't use your miniature paints on terrain that's wrong you you should use whatever paints you need to on your terrain but the terrain know. creator told me that because <laughs> i went play through a song. lot of his videos don't play this <laughs> <laughs> you sad boy um and uh <laughs> <laughs> you're waiting Such for it aren't you <laughs> i'm dreading it no 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 um and I painted my the buildings with contrast paints because they are small scale and are crammed full of texture. Like every surface, because it's been shrunk down from a large scale model to a small scale model. Every surface is covered mm-hmm. in texture, perfect for contrast paints. Were really quick and easy to do. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed painting those. I had to do sixteen buildings in the end, which I which was a lot, uh, but they didn't take that long. Um, and I didn't get fed up with doing them, so I considered that sort of like the win win. Sixteen. Um, that that is literally an entire village. Or Hamlet. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's verging onto Hamlet. I really don't understand the difference. But yes, I'm going to nod and smile on that one, Dave. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking sort of Age of Empires technology. <laughs> That's my knowledge of history. It's what happened in Age of Empires. <laughs> so pressing on ahead with more of the 10 mil stuff, um, mm-hmm. I'm painting up a load of the minis that I printed myself that I'm um, listing to sell. Um, so I've got to kind of do painted examples of everything. Um, sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm hashing my way through that at the same time. Um, prepping for playing a game with my friend Paul. Uh, we're going to play some more Ten Mil Kings of War, so it's a bit of a double-edged uh, one on that, where I'm I'm doing stuff I need to do, but also uh, that I want to do because I've got a game coming up. So, um, if you ever need uh, an extra pair of hands to paint some minis, I'm I'm quite uh, I'd be up for it because it's quite interesting. It sounds like. Oh, okay. There's no uh, there's no commission fees in this, is there, Dave? No, I'm no, no. Stung here, am I? No, no, no. Okay. I just okay. well, I tell you what, you can you can print off some STLs that I've saved for you. Oh, okay, as sure. A, this is how this as, is going to work. As a work. payment, as payment, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some serious wheeler dealer. You're like Dellboy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but an actual project completed, or well, it will be completed at the time the episode goes out. Because the only thing I've got left to do is finish the basing. Is that's, that's, uh, that's some bold words, son. It's oh, I've got, I've got a game with them tomorrow, so they better be finished. Um, <laughs> is my Adeptus Titanicus Legio. Right. So, yes, I've been yeah. I've been following your progress on uh, the old Instagrams. Yeah, I have. Uh, basically, I finished painting all the Titans. Um, it's just the basing left to do, and mm-hmm. I have uh, copied the Eagle Warriors color scheme because, <laughs> as as mentioned before, horrendous to paint on a miniature for me. 
given the color choices that I had. Uh, the exact whites and blues were very difficult to work with. Um, but uh, scaling up to a much larger model, it's been actually a lot of fun. So I've uh, finished them up. I've added my transfers because you know I love adding transfers. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. I had to add, uh, it was white and blue, which is a good scheme, nice and bright and bold. Um, but it got a bit samey uh, on a bigger model. Um, so when I... did it get samey? Did, was it uh, once you painted your Ultramarines or was it when you painted your Ultramarines again or was it when you painted your Eagle Warriors? Or <laughs> no, was... <laughs> I mean samey on the model, you smart ass. Um, right. uh, so you had to, you know, I had to kind of break it up a bit and I went through some of the, you know, um, the, the, the cool stuff that they add to Titans and everyone likes hazard stripes. Um, so I both did blue and white hazard stripes <laughs> on some of the shoulder pads to tie in with the theme. <laughs> The hazard stripes on a Titan is just the, the most... It's like, stupid. St- yeah. It's stupid, but it's 40k, Dave. And 40k <laughs> is nothing if not stupid. It's um, useless. So yeah, like, the, Who's not going to hear a Titan coming towards yeah. them? I mean, that's why... The, the, so the Reaver has a hazard-striped fist. Um, because when a, <laughs> when a building-sized fist is about to punch you, you need to make sure you have prior warning. Um, yes. So painting yellow and black warns you that it is dangerous. Make sure you wear a hard hat. That'll save yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, but that was actually quite a lot of fun, and uh, I bought some fancy small-scale mic- masking tape following my own Hazard Stripe uh, tutorial uh, guides. I-, I used some 2mm wide masking tape, which made it possible. I tried painting one of them by hand. It looked absolutely horrible, um, so I rebase-coated it yellow and went straight to the internet and ordered some 2mm masking tape, because... I don't paint straight lines very well at all. 2mm masking tape sounds very fiddly. It's n- it is if you're doing it on something... That's not a flat armor panel on a on a Titan. Then it was fine. Sure. Or curved okay. surface, but even on the curved surface, it was fine. Because um, I did my my trick of laying a piece, laying a dummy piece alongside it, and then putting the correct strip next to it, and just moving that dummy piece down the line. Uh, it kept everything mm. nicely lined up. So uh, it worked out fine. Okay. And next up on my on the workbench is uh, some stuff for Gaslands. Ooh. So this. Is this the the one where you got basically uh, what they called micro machines or um, match? Sti- no, not match sticks. What they called? You're thinking of match box, but it's Hot Wheels is the the preferred yes. scale. But yes, Hot Wheels cars. Hot Wheels stick cars. guns on them. Yes, exactly. You take a bunch of Hot Wheels cars. Um, you don't steal them off your child. You buy them yourself, or you you know reuse their I mean, unwanted ones. I I would steal them off my child. I mean, yes. Well, we've seen what you, uh, you questionable morality here. Well, we've seen you nick your kids' clothes for presentation on the internet, Dave. <laughs> so, let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, I got told off cuz he um my youngest is now fitting into it and uh wore it for World Book Day and my wife questioned why it was a big <laughs> it was uh, it that was, hood was a bit stretched. Mm, I wonder why. Um Get my tongue on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I've uh, started working on that. So I've got like four. It's it's super easy game to get into. The rule book is like a tenner and loads of places sell it. Uh, and you just buy yourself four or five Hot Wheels cars. You uh, repaint them uh, as you see fit. You stick a load of stuff on them because the setting is essentially uh, post-apocalyptic races, Mad max Mad Max, yeah. It's Mad Max-esque. So you stick a bunch of guns and oil cans and traps and stuff on your vehicles uh, and uh, you're off to the races so that's next up on the on the bench i've got my four gaslands cars that i picked up at my local supermarket uh, do send and, me a picture uh, i will do i'll let you know. I'll, I'll put it up on instagram as i go along 
I kind of want to do it. one anyway. I won't. I probably won't play Gaslands just because new game systems to me are a bit dodgy. I mean, this game system is, mixed up. This game system is idiot proof. It's super simple um, and it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, it, uh, that'll be the test. Yeah. I'll play you and we'll see how idiot proof it is. Um, <laughs> we do. But, we do need to get a date in. Actually, we do. Actually, yeah. Let's let's plan it. Plan it on air. That's that's planet, a good idea. Yeah. Let's let's get that sorted offline um but uh, it's it's super easy i mean all you literally all you do is you super glue the wheels so they don't roll across the table and then add stuff and paint your vehicle to look as battered and rusty as you like which as you know is my paint style for a lot of stuff um so so, so obviously i wouldn't them. super glue the wheels because rolling it across the surface sounds awesome it it does until you realize that it's a game uh, and your model positioning is important so if you're like i'm just going to move my oh no it's rolled across the table oh i was in last place but now we don't know where i really am yeah i, know hey, your, I, I mean know your in tricks. the depths in the depths of uh, youtube at like 2 a.m in the morning i like watching the races they do on treadmills with all the match uh the uh, hot wheels cars is that a you thing seen any of those no but yeah. I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be straight on that after this google it I mean, it's right off the marble races, nice. so uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's the same sort of vein of those. <laughs> You'll end up rooting for a random car, like a I don't know, like a '67 Mustang in purple, because <laughs> you get really excited. I uh, this sounds like a very very uh, it sounds like a very deep well of uh, YouTube watching. So I'm going to get straight oh, on that. Yes, yes, it is. I'll tell you what's annoying. Just uh, at a tangent, YouTube shorts showing up in your internet history, like your YouTube history, and then suddenly all your related videos are like, I don't know, remote controlled jets being things. Could you watch a 30 second YouTube short? Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's kind of annoying. Oh, I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be careful of that. (laughs) Sorry. First world problems. Carry on. But that's no, that's me up on my hobby progress. It's been a fairly productive month. And uh, yeah, got got more projects on the go. That uh, yes, they're not forty k, uh, but I am uh, diversifying my hobby portfolio or something like that. You're you're fine. Hobby progress can be anything. I think we've established. I mean, you've before. established that in the past, Dave. Hey, I think building my kitchen was uh, one of my hobby progresses at some point. So <laughs> did, there we did, go. Did you build your kitchen? Creating a child. That, well, no, oh, oh come on! That. No, people don't want the details. <laughs> so GW releases then. Yeah. <laughs> Very swiftly moving on. <laughs> oh dear! Right. Um, <laughs> uh, how do how do we segue into this? I tell you what, Eldar got released. Um, yeah, let's, so. just, let's just pretend it didn't happen and carry on. Yes, Eldar yes. released into the wild. Where's my New Zealand models? Lots of uh, Warhammer community uh, articles on the different aspects of the Eldar, pun intended. Uh, with lots of different units, uh, that baller avatar of Kane, and some very interesting um, army-wide rules as well as the different craft world rules as well. Mm. So yeah, they're they're all uh, in the wild. Uh, some of the towers we'd established last uh, episode, and the Tyranids are following along very shortly. So it's it's good. It's bringing some diversity into. Uh, the the wider world obviously the tyranny's got some love with um, some faqs and and different um faction faction books as well as white dwarf articles which we'll go into later yes um uh, but uh, yeah it's 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 looking up and up for the xenos races and as a space marine player i am happy that yes. other um, armies are getting some love i don't think i know it's the gateway into the hobby and every 
kid is introduced to space marines and it's always good to have a big range of space mm-hmm. marines that they can choose from straight away but um having the different um armies of xenos being released now is is much better from the game uh yeah as a space marine player i was even i was getting bored of the different space marine releases that were just being space out, marines so. all the time yeah 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 it's and not the heresy no it's not but talking of space marines it's interesting to see that there's new stuff for the chaos space marines coming yes it's not the exact change they're digging for <laughs> no no well but... i mean just to put it into some context this is the new kill team box yes uh, so it contains the previously discussed uh baller looking corsairs god they're so good uh, and the other side of the uh the the kill kill team box are these new chaos space marines again with new sculpts a la uh, the blackstone fortress chaos space marines so if this is the way that the range is going then i am all for it because these guys look great so what i think it is is the same way they did new pathfinders for the kalnath uh, kill team box set sure it is a sprue so it's a sprue of extra gubbins. So in that box, you will get Chaos Space Marine Infantry Squad sprue, mm-hmm. as it currently stands, and Attack On sprue that has extra stuff on it. Right, um, okay. So it's not 10 brand new models. So uh, is that not, what they've well, done with the, they haven't the Kalnath said, Pathfinders then? That's how they handle the Kalnath Pathfinders, and that's my suspicion is how this is. And it's a great way to oh. do it because, the, the I mean, the Kalnath Pathfinders was great. You got... Uh, a whole range of heads, uh, arms, weapons, upgrades, drone bits, all that on a separate. Well, I'll, I'll tell you because I intend to. I intend to get it now. It's been uh, released separately, which is uh, another one of those games workshop releases this month. Ah, right. Okay. Yes, I think it's pretty good, and it's the kind of the way they're heading with a lot of stuff is kits that don't need redoing but need some extra stuff are getting mm. these upgrade sprues. Now, it started with the guard getting the heads and weapons sprues. Now, arguments to be made that they actually did need a new kit because those models are old and dumpy, uh, which well, is true. Um, Rumours say watch this space in exactly. the, uh, towards the end of the year slash start of next year. Yeah, so exactly. But uh, this is a great way of them doing it. You know, The Chaos Space Marine kit only came out, what, three years ago? Two and a half years ago? Three years ago? Something like that. Pre-pandemic, I'm just right? Nod my head. Nod your head. It was pre-pandemic, uh, and this is a this is a good way to add more to that and give more options. Um, especially seeing as, and we've discussed it before, kits are becoming a little less uh, customizable. You know, you have yes. uh, you have single piece, mostly single pose models that have some options that do change the pose, but not completely um so having a third set of options to add to those static leg and torso arrangements which is what it usually is um is great yes that's um i was gonna say it's usually it's usually a static body and then arms and heads can be swapped yes which is is all right but it's no um orc or space marine old kits that could just be completely changed depending on what torso and legs you put on them exactly yeah so I think this is kind of a happy workaround um, and, mm-hmm. and adds quite a lot of uh, fancy new stuff. So, uh, yeah, an interesting looking box set and getting their hands on those Corsairs this way for for a starter is, is a winner. And the, the good thing is that is uh, unlike previous editions of Kill Team that came out before where the box sets didn't have an actual whole Kill Team in them, 
which was the first kill team box set because you didn't have enough points for a gene stealer cult kill team in the gene stealer cult box set uh, Great stuff. these are actual ready to go uh, kill teams with uh, they're, they're made up of multiple fire teams as needed and, and all the stuff's in there so it's, uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a game in a box actually game in a box this time around and moving on finally to another box this is a new combat patrol for the tyranids this time and <laughs> you get a lot for your money if we are going on current pricing uh, so this yes. includes 36 termagants 36 uh, there are ripper swarms in there there's um three of the warriors and uh the hive tyrant as well it's a pretty interesting kit because uh, you're getting what two troops and a HQ, right? I think it's uh, your, your three troops, troops, isn't it? I oh, think it's uh, three, the three squads of twelve, isn't it? I mean, you're going to do your hormogons in a big horde, though, right? That's how you play them. You don't take them in you twelve, were. do you? Do you? I don't know. I, I don't play. I don't play forty k, but I don't play Tyranids either, so uh, I'm not really sure on that one. Um, but yeah, no, it looks like a great kit, and it it just looks from the box like what you. Yeah, putting aside value and everything, it's what you expect a Tyranid box to be. Uh, yeah. A big monster. Okay, it's got the Warriors as well. A big monster and a horde of Gribblies. Like, mm. that's, that's Tyranids in my mind, is is the horde of Gribblies. I know everyone just plays them as the Monster Mash, or whatever you want to call it these days, uh, because it's all the big stuff. I really love the carpet of Gaunts. Yes, uh, sweeping through. Yeah, it just looks like what what it looks like to me. So, um, I faced I faced one this spots. weekend. Oh, did and you? It was yeah, it was thematic and scary, but they do just die um, <laughs> if you breathe. On them, new, they die. New codex, yeah, new codex pending. Yes, that might change things. But yeah, overall, uh, like you say, not not overly busy. But they no. all actually. You know, have you, Dave, seen today's recording on Tuesday? Have you seen today's uh, new release model for Tyranids? I d- oh yes, I did. The parasite of a new named character. Yeah, new named character for the Tyranids. I have had nasty run-ins with previous named characters from Tyranids, mostly the parasite of Mortrex and the Doom of Malantyre, uh, oh, both God. of which had heinous rules in their day um but this it, is still a heinous rule it looks like it and it has a superb new model oh my gosh it's good oh yeah yeah it's uh it's flying it's got a big long uh is it zone throat tail um so it looks like a uh, halfway between a winged hive tyrant and a gargoyle size mm. um but I mean, let's let's just talk about the the special rule, the parasitic infection. So it sounds like this new parasite model is all about giving parasites to their enemies, as the name would suggest. And uh, it comes with this parasitic infection special rule. So each time an attack made with this weapon successfully wounds an enemy unit, excluding vehicles, that unit suffers one mortal wound in addition to any normal damage and becomes infected with parasites. Nice. So, at the start of your opponent's command phase, for each enemy unit that is infected with parasites, your opponent must roll 1d6. On a 1 to 3, the unit suffers d3 mortal wounds, but is no longer infected with the parasites. On a 4 to 6, the unit suffers d3 mortal wounds and remains infected with parasites. Oh, I can just go on and on and on. Ouch. And it's, <laughs> that's not all. If the unit suffers two or more mortal wounds as a r- result of this ability in this phase, set up a new friendly Ripper Swarm unit on the oh. battlefield within three inches. 
That's brutal. It's it's a nice nod to how the parasite used to work. I don't remember the ins and outs of it exactly, but the I remember the mm. rule had a really cool flavor. It was like there's something up with Sarge. Uh, essentially, yes. the Ripper swarms would burst forth from one of your units uh, at the start of the game, and uh, yeah, I've seen some pretty hilarious outcomes with that. Uh, it, so this yeah, sounds this it, sounds pretty, it sounds, this sounds awesome. like a pretty good way of doing it. It should be said that those Ripper Swarms don't take up reinforcement points as well, so you don't have to nice. hang some points nice. back. So, I mean, they're, they're Ripper Swarms, so they'll they'll die super easily. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one more base for something to kill. And uh, it came up this weekend that they can't do actions, Ripper Swarms, because they're a swarm. Right, yes, that's very relevant. <laughs> we're having, yeah, we were having a joke about someone trying to... Uh, so one of the missions was about data intelligence and these Ripper Swarms trying to... Trying to control a comm terminal. Yeah. Not going to happen. Nope. Nope. Cool. Right. Well, do you want to get into talking about the games a little bit more then? Because um, we, we haven't done a chat through games section for a while. So this will be interesting to hear what's your latest experience of playing uh, playing some 40k action. Well, yeah. So um has to be said that this is not matched play. So this was open play. So this was a completely new, not new way of playing for me, but uh, different to the norm. So, uh, yeah, it was a two-day uh, event called Weekend at Bernie's, and it was Brilliant. hosted at my uh, local sort of big gaming centre, which is the Factorum in Warminster. Nice. Uh, so it's hosted by one of the Deployment Zone TV uh, regulars, not not um, Winters or, or Liam Dempsey, the two sort of main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it it was a completely narrative event, a bit like the old campaign weekends that we used to go to at cool. uh, Warhammer World. And uh, yeah, it was completely open play. Uh, and there were a few caveats to your list as well. So it's 1750 points. So it's still match play points, which was good. Right. Yeah. Um, but there were no named characters because uh, it was a small system where there was a lot of infighting and, and named characters sort of wouldn't be there. There were some exceptions, like I played against Death Leaper, the Lictor. All right, um, cool, yeah. Because it's just a sort of a random guy, but there was no sort of chapter masters or um, sort of Trajan Valoris or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, Valoris, I played okay, yeah. Yeah, I played uh, four games. I played Tyranids twice, actually, um, but I also okay. played World Eaters and uh, Mephret Necrons as well. Cool, yeah, bit of variety and not just Space Marines, Dave. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was hoping. And actually, uh, so the the event was split into three factions. There were the uh, the Alliance, which were the the good guys. Um, so this <laughs> was weekend quotes. at Bernie's. Yeah, this was weekend at Bernie's three. Um, so there have been a few narrative events linked to uh, the Hendris system where we were fighting previously. Um, so the Alliance were trying to get um, the F out of Dodge and trying to rescue their wounded and okay. uh, escape cool. or recover stuff. Uh, the Unknowables, which essentially are um, non-Chaos Imperium-associated right, acts, yeah. so the Xenos and that sort of thing. Uh, so they were there to uh, again recover their their mm-hmm. wounded or devour or I don't know convert people to the greater good you know that sort of malarkey all that good stuff um, and also to recover some um, an elder artifact that had been smashed oh, okay called the Tears of Magnus so that was one of the big overarching stories uh, and then you had the Cabal which were the chaotic forces right uh, in both senses of the word. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so in the first game, I played Tyranids, which was a welcome change because I hadn't played Tyranids in Yonks. I think last time I played Tyranids would have been Ian and his. I think I played his Gargoyles, 
way wow, back some when. time back yeah goodness me yeah so uh this was the equivalent of the crusher stampede so this was uh leviathan and big gribblies and uh they had a it wasn't quite the the crusher stampede rules or anything like that but it was the monster mash like you said uh but they did have the is it the tyrannocyte the big drop pod for the tyranids yes Yep, so they had the big Tyrannocyte, they had uh, the Morlock, which popped up in the middle of the battlefield, the Tyrannocyte, which dropped off in the middle of the battlefield, they had some advancing Griblies that started in the middle of the battlefield, um, and he went first. So they were all in the middle of the battlefield, so I was very much hemmed in. Ooh, under pressure right from the get-go then. Yes. Uh, Very good game. Had a great time playing against them. Um, I was very much, my back was against the wall. Um, okay, yeah. my stuff was dying left, right and centre. Um, and the only things that could practically uh, do do consistent damage yeah. uh, were my eradicators. They were oh, right, yep. the, the big uh, monsters. Yeah. yeah, heavy, heavy eradicators were my MVPs of the um, weekend and my centurions coming out of the land raider. OK, they yeah. are flat damage three and they do some work. Do they? Um they, they were very good. Yeah, I mean, it was about 600 points for the Land Raider and the yeah. inside. Let's, oh, but the Land Raider didn't do much, that. did it? Because you have a Crusader. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a very good game. Um, ended because it's open war. We don't have secondaries, um, anything like that. And the primary right, yeah. is very um, not difficult to get. But when you're playing in that sort of format, it's quite hard to score the 5, 10, 15. Um, so I think I lost quite handedly because I couldn't actually oh, okay. get out of my deployment zone. But yeah, very, very nice opponent. Very good game. Escaped out of that against uh, melee, melee Tyranids. Uh, we last, lasted until the third turn um, and we, we ran out of time. So I still had some survivors. So I'll take that as a win. The uh, second game was against World Eaters. So we played on a very cool themed board, which was a quarry. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I won, I won the Something deployment. Different. Um, so it was lengthways. I won the deployment. And I actually elected to set up in the basin of the quarry, uh, and I was against world eaters. And I I thought it would be quite cool to watch the world eaters sort of run down the side of the quarry at me. <laughs> I will say that berserkers are freaking scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do put some damage out. Yeah, uh, I mean, I managed to kill one of their transports. And that Berserker squad was mown down once they'd got out their land, uh, their transports. Right, the yeah. problem was, was the uh, the other three rhinos with um, <laughs> Berserkers in. And they ran through my army. They have a ridiculous number of attacks, can fight yeah. up to three times. <laughs> and he had Mutilators, which are crap or good. Like, amazing. There's, there's no middle ground. Mutilators oh, have... They're the combat... Um... Combat obliterators. Right, yes. But they have the, the classic sort of orc style, what's your strength, what's your damage, what's your AP on a D3, that oh, sort of thing. Oh, okay, yeah. So they can, so be... They can be very mm. good or very bad. And in this game, the entire time, he was rolling like three damage, AP minus three, that sort of thing. Eesh. And uh, yeah, those those three were up against my land raider and tore it open in one round of combat. Yeah. There's three of them. <laughs> yeah. Did like 18 wounds to it, uh, and it was already injured. So, uh, yeah, it ripped open like a tin can. Uh, and all of the Terminators on their team, they had, he had a load of uh, the Red Butcher's Terminators. 
Oh, the right, yep. Really cool. Did nothing. Because oh, really? they were ready to <laughs> ready to fight the Land Raider, not thinking the Mutilators would do much, and uh, just uh, stood around, did nothing, and I managed to completely wipe them off the face of the Earth because Templars are actually quite good in melee as well when they hit back. Turns out, yeah, what a surprise. Yeah. Um, but again, I was quite hemmed in. Uh, so they, they got to me super quick. Uh, I tried to shoot as many down as possible, and uh, yeah, failed failed miserably as they ran through my lines mainly because they had covered the objectives that i needed to get to yeah and i never really got out of my deployment zone thanks to some uh, annoying terrain so uh yeah there we go so i was i was zero and two on the first day uh, the next day i faced tyrannids again mm. so this was more of a hoardy tyranid with uh, 45 gene stealers Oof, and okay. uh, yeah, and Broodlord. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite thematic. Uh, he also had one of those um, exocrines, the, the the big tyranids with the big artillery piece on the back. Oh yeah, sort yeah. Sort of um, phallus cannon. So we'd set up. It was quite good. This is this is the game where the Land Raider Crusader came into its own. Yeah, this it is its moment to shine, right? Yeah, squads of Gene Stealers were. It was it was like watching uh, sort of live action Space Hulk. It was it was the two um, the salt cannons and the hurricane bolters just yeah. mowing down um, Tyranids, even with the Catalyst, which is a five up feel no pain for them. Yeah, uh, they they were dying in droves. Unfortunately, one of the tournament organisers had seen this, and they were basically tasked with screwing up people's games. Okay. Uh, so what had happened is uh, some rogue Baneblades had found their way onto the battlefield and proceeded to <laughs> proceeded to just shoot random targets. So there was one Baneblade uh, on my side and one Baneblade on his side, and we got to pick a target to shoot. So I went for the Exocrine, which okay, is the yep. artillery piece, and he went for my Land Raider. So basically, uh, the tournament organisers, like I said, were in charge of screwing up people's games and playing random stratagem cards that were event only um, and were just oh, right, okay. there to be played just to mix up the games a bit. So I'd been quite lucky. In the first two games, we were hardly touched. Uh, there was one point in the second game where um, a card was played by a tournament organiser where our two warlords could only fight each other. Oh, okay. um, um, unfortunately i took a space marine captain or a marshal uh and he got right. swatted aside by a demon prince Eesh. so uh yeah that that was my only experience of the stratagem so far two bane blades turned up completely destroyed my land raider down right, to yeah. Uh, yeah yeah down to uh like 24 wounds just taken off of it like that from all of the different guns um and on his side, my Bane Blade shot at the X-Cream and did nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I think he lost six wounds altogether because uh, the guy I was facing, really nice guy, um, just made so many five-ups. We, we were sort of like um, cheering for him because, I mean, you make a five-up, it's like, okay, cool. And he made up a five up against like the demolisher cannon. You're like, okay. And then the last oh. cannons, he was making five up, five up, five up, five up. <laughs> the guy that placed the Bane Blades felt really bad, um, but I've got quite a nice conversion for my Land Raider, and he played a stratagem saying, I've never seen that before. And it basically, when something dies that that the tournament organiser had never seen before right, that's um, cool you can bring it, yeah you can bring it back on uh, a d6 number of wounds nice uh, so my rolling came back to haunt me and he came back on what one yeah. wound yep knew it 
so yeah, we we, we kept playing, and uh, this land raider survived on one wound until another tournament organizer turned up <laughs> and played another stratagem. Okay. <laughs> He'd been seeing this game from afar, realised that the Land Raider was still alive after two more rounds on one wound, and played a stratagem which essentially turned my Land Raider into a grot, so into a Gretchen. So it, had, it went from toughness 8 to toughness 2. Oh, right, okay, like just I, totally wrecked it. Well, no, it went, went to toughness 2, so it had the stat line of a grot. It was a Gretchen. Okay. So uh, my Land Raider turned into a Gretchen... And ironically, his ballistic skill went up because I was so bracketed, I was hitting on fives. And as soon as I turned into a Gretchen, I was suddenly hitting Hit on, on fours. fours. Nice. <laughs> which, we, which we thought was quite funny. Um, it also gave me the ability to perform actions because I was suddenly a Gretchen. And I managed to pick up one of these tiers of Magnus. Um, right. Relics. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, so previously, Bizarre. you're not allowed to pick up a, a relic with a, with a vehicle. Suddenly, this Gretchen Land Raider at Toughness 2... Um, did get absolutely battered. I was going to say, the um, response to that must have been fierce. <laughs> yes. Yes, suddenly all these anti-tank weapons were just wounding it ridiculously well. But yeah, no, that was a very good game. I had to, We had a great laugh playing that one. And uh, yeah, I managed awesome. to manage to get a victory in that one, uh, basically because of a Land Raider Crusader being able to mow down gene stealers. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah, it was, it was just one of those matchups, and f- so I was one and two, and I, I came to the last game, and I was against Mefret Necrons. So Mefret is the uh, the dynasty where uh, they get extra range to their uh, weapons, and yeah. in half range they get an extra AP, which doesn't Very good. really affect me. No, uh, because I played the vow of the oh, you got your got five, five up, up in Bun. Yeah, sure. And uh, if anyone's seen the game on uh, Tabletop Tactics where I couldn't make any dice rolls, yeah. this game was completely the opposite. Oh, no. Like, I felt really bad because I was saving everything. There was an entire round of shooting from Necrons killed two scouts, two Neophytes, against everything, against my Eradicators, against my Sword Brethren. And uh, yeah, very, very tanky the army, the uh, Black Templars can be. Uh, with Phil No Pains and Nimbuns. But uh, yeah, it uh, it turned, it just carried on in that way with Eradicators just wiping out four wraiths, just, just like that. Wow. Did multi-wounds, he failed all the Invun saves and just killed them outright. So it, uh, it, it just turned into one of those games where I didn't really like doing what I was doing because it was so one-sided. And uh, I managed to just run through his army, um, even though he'd gained objective points and gained the primary objective points i caught up and then started getting the sort of the two three more primary objectives and i was getting 15 points a turn he was getting five and i just sort of cut um overtook and, and went out into a big lead so yeah it uh that, that that was the tale of my four games the event created stratagem cards were a massive win uh, because That's we cool. could see on other tables, obviously, what was happening, and there was some sort of weird shenanigans going where um, psychers would go insane and turn on their own army, that sort of thing. People with who are picking up the Tears of Magnus, sometimes they had like three different relics on the table, uh, and then some tournament organizer would play a card where they blow up and deal mortal wounds to people who oh. were holding them, that sort of thing. Uh, and they always tried to balance out games. So if someone was sort of winning really obviously uh they would either like gift a a unit to the other player or uh, play stratagems to hamper so it was, it was it was very well organized very well carried out and uh this place the factorum is really cool um so there's there's tons of gaming tables this was this was uh, 60 players wow 
at this narrative event. So it's so very good. And I, I had a great time. It's the first event I'd been to in years. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a, a great time. And I'd thoroughly recommend anyone on the um, Deployment Zone TV Discord to uh, check out the other events that are going on. Sounds awesome. Sounds like sounds like the, they really hit the nail on the head with the narrative elements. Yes, yes. It wasn't about who was winning. Like, I mean, I could, I, I, ironically, my favourite game was the first one where I got my bum absolutely handed to me. Because, <laughs> because it was all about. It wasn't about who was winning, and and it was all about the moments in the games. And yeah. I had some heroic sort That's of last stands in that game. Yeah, and some uh, really un unrealistic dice rolls. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it was a, it was a game to remember, and uh, yeah, I had a great time. Ended up going two and two. My faction unfortunately lost, so the unknowables, which were the the sort of the Xenos races, they uh, they came out on top. And uh, there was also a fourth faction, the Real Space Raiders. So some Drukari turned up on people's tables, nice um, to to just shoot the closest units, that sort of things. Yeah, that was all good, and to steal the uh, the the tears of Magnus as well. Some guy was having a heroic last stand on a table. He was telling us about it, and a dark elder raider jumped in. The guys jumped out, stole the tear of Magnus, and just like clawed off, pissed off. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. The guy had an amazing uh, Mordian army, actually. Oh, lovely! Yeah, That's it a rare was. Gem. It was really cool. Yeah, and had like um, the old sort of British um, uh, sort of battlefield flags as well as the standards. So it was okay. really cool. But uh, yeah, I I really liked it. And open play was strange because okay. I've never played that sort of thing before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always played match play. Yeah. Um, and open play without secondary objectives. And you're mainly focused on killing each other was... I had good fun because of the opponent's... We'll talk about this next in the, in the topic. But um, yeah, I, I, the jury's still out for me. Okay. On, uh, on open play versus match play, I like both. I'll just okay. leave it at that. Nice. So yeah, do you, do you want to dive in then, Dave, to the much much debated topic of is forty k too complicated? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've I've just spoken for a while, so I'll let you. Uh, I'll okay. I'll let you kick this off. But uh, yeah, no, I, I wrote a few Some of my thoughts down. Yeah, yeah, so, so feel, feel free to pick a, a, a point and, and elaborate on it. So, yeah, is 40k too complicated? Uh, yes. Okay, I'll <laughs> go into more depth than, than that. Uh, this very much is uh, a subjective matter as to whether yes. it is too complicated. Um, I don't think the, there's uh, an answer to the question, is 40k too complicated? It's, is 40k too complicated for you? And that's not as in a... Uh, you you can't cope with it. It's too complicated. For you. Not as an insult, as in like, is it not what you want it to be? Pers- personally, for me, it's not too complicated. Mm-hmm. It is complicated, but it's not too yep. complicated because I am very much a one rule system person and almost a one army person. Yes. The problem comes about, um, which is why I am not... Um, envious of people on youtube that have to do this in front of a camera the problem comes about when people have multiple armies multiple game systems that they have to know uh, even even so much as sort of non-gw game systems that they have to worry about and when all of those rules are combined 
trying to remember specifics on top of uh, other things we cover like stratagems it becomes very much uh, a confusing matter which contributes to the fact that it is slightly too complicated at the moment yeah so i mean you've you've got a number of notes down here and i think we'll dive into the, to the first one on the list first and that is uh book book bloat they said it wouldn't happen and then it happened. And then they said it wouldn't happen again for this edition of the uh, rules. And it's happened again. Uh, you have got to have on your person, technically, to play the game to its full capacity, yes. way too many books. So at the moment, we're talking main rule book, which is fine. You've got to have yep. that. Your codex, which is fine. You've got to have that. It should then stop there. It should stop there, apart from a tournament pack if you're playing at a tournament. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really count that. Actually, no, I know. I, was writing it but I just want to add that in before you know someone mm. asks us about it. Um, then you've got Warzone Nakmund, which is the current season of 40k. Yeah, because we we needed that level of complexity. You've got FAQs slash erratas um, because we yeah. live in a world where everything is still in physical print, most mostly. Um, so you you have to have the updates to the product that you bought, which sometimes come out before the product that you have bought actually is released, which is hilarious. <laughs> White Dwarf, if your specific rules are... They, they, they stopped introducing legal, as in like actual core game mechanics in White Dwarf uh, for a while, uh, which I liked. Uh, they had flavorful stuff that you could implement, but now you yeah. have, now you have, you know approved rules going into 40 going into white dwarf you need to have your uh big rules balance update did they call it you have to have your balance update if it applies to your yeah. army because some of the armies had core changes to their codexes uh, that were outside of an faq and errata as part of a balancing <laughs> act um, and you need to have potential supplements like your space marines have supplemental things you have uh the leviathan got their supplemental rules via the octarius campaign books yeah, it's, it's, well, this I is... mean, this this is the this is the example that I gave, which was if you're trying to run a Crusher Stampede. So the Crusher Stampede was a specific uh, detachment rule. If we're going by old terminology, uh, in a White Dwarf that contains the Crusher Stampede list, and quite often uh, you're going to be playing Leviathan because it boosts them. Uh, so you're going to need the uh, Octarius book because it has mm. the Leviathan supplement stuff in there. So that's six books by my account. Not including, like you said, tournament pack. It gets a bit out of hand. And, I mean, you can argue, well, you don't really need the rules and you can have the the unit rules on your phone. No, okay, no, no, great. you can. But Great, so that gets rid of, what, three yeah. books? It, you've it, still, it's not you've still just, got to carry around four. It's not just the physical carry around of books. It's having things you have to reference. It's having yes. points you have to go to when your opponent says, oh, does that actually interact like that? You can't just say yes because that's not cool. Even if you know it, they need to be able to read it to understand it. So you have mm. to pull out the right source material, and that's where it becomes an absolute... And, and knowing the order at which it came out, because uh, yep. things contradict each other as well. Yep, and they overlap and they overlay. and it, yeah. So from mm. that standpoint, I think the even, not, even calling it physical books, just points of sources of information bloat it, it is getting a bit out of hand. And by a bit out of hand, I mean I'm totally off. Personally, I'm totally off it at this point. I cannot process that amount of various sources of information i can't remember what's current and what's not it's it's super yep. annoying for the casual player now you could say that actually the casual player just needs the core rule book and a codex if you're playing at home and that's what i play with 
you know when I when I was playing at home. It's it's just rulebook codex. Uh, the rest of it, if someone remembers that something got fixed in an FAQ errata, we'll play it that way. But if we can't remember, yeah. I don't really care. The problem is gaming at your local store and or hobby this... club, etc. That's where it becomes. It's a casual environment because it's just to play in your mate at a club or play in a pickup game with someone at a club. It's casual. It's not an event. But the problem is you you don't know them and so you do need to have all this stuff to hand to clear up and there are 21 armies now so you, you know... well this this was with an event in mind because yes i mean the 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 rule packs usually say that you need all of the materials that you need yeah, yeah. with you but if you rock up so... at a store to play you, you should have these things if you want to use this crusher stampede for example and you at your local gaming store you might be playing someone who's been playing the game for two months I don't know. I don't know. We've got some human encyclopedias. Like we had what chef. Oh yeah. Just t- just told us every single rule. <laughs> you can't rely on that. You have to have these things. So it's it's becoming <laughs> a bit. You know. And if you're a new player and your opponent rocks up and says, "Oh yeah, well I'm using this rule selected from this book, selected from, selected from, selected from," sure, it, 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 it's not good. But it's not just books that there's a little bit too much of. Um, I no. think a, a common gripe, even with people who know what they're doing, is that there are just way too many stratagems. I have had this conversation with so many people. Too many stratagems. I like the rules that stratagems provide, but the fact that they're not maybe special rules for the data sheet or they um, just get rid of stratagems and just give an extra rule an extra rule to your data sheets because having the extra rule on the data sheets mean you only have to remember the special rules that are associated with them. Yeah. Get rid of all of the stratagems altogether. Forget re-rolls. I mean, that's a separate argument. That's about a separate argument. Reliability. Yeah. 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 I yeah. wish. Take, taking I away wish the randomness of dice rolls. Yeah. Taking away the randomness of dice rolls in a dice rolling game is, uh, yeah, we're going down the wrong route of making everything way too reliable. Um, but yeah, it stratagems like I love some of the cool stratagems that are like yeah, play this stratagem and I don't know it, it's got some cool name, but essentially it is they count as standing still. Just build that into the build that into the unit. Just make them right. less powerful and build it into the unit. They always count as stationary. Done. Right. Yeah. And I know it's it's to represent that towards the end of the game, the sort of it's all in disarray and you're Resources less likely to be able and, to. Yeah, yeah blah, exactly. Blah, blah. But th- th- there becomes a, a point where, yes, this stratagem's from my supplement and this stratagem's from my space room book. And I've you're got, back into that again, yeah. Yeah, I've got my two CPs, and actually in this FAQ, it's been raised to three CPs because it's ridiculously overpowered. But it should be on their data sheet, and they should just cost ten points more per model or something. Yeah. The thing about stratagems that I do like is there's this cool, like, oh, my unit's going to do its special thing. And yeah. it can't do it all the time. This is its special, you know, this is its special move. This is its ultimate, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> like, uh, that's cool. But to be but the fair, problem is, we're getting to a point where they're doing it every turn anyway. That's the problem. It's not their ultimate. It's just what they do every turn. You have, yeah. you know, you have a bunch of chaos bikes with melt guns that are slanesh devoted in your non-slanesh army so they can move fast and cacophony <laughs> twice to blow up a tank it's like that's what they do they move fast and cacophony every single turn it's not special mm. and cool that's the problem is they made stratagems an interesting idea interesting mechanic 
they left it open for the gamers to abuse and gamers going to abuse because that's gamers going to game we're, we're not min maxers at all but i nope. mean every single turn i'm going to be um playing at playing a stratagem on unit x because uh their sixes to hit automatically wound or their sixes yep. to hit explode because every single turn one of my dreadnoughts is both wise and ancient um, because yeah. that stratagem is too good to turn down every single turn uh it's and just berserkers become... with death to the false emperor on fives they were playing it every turn and yeah. I, I was prepared for it because i knew it was coming yeah. so it loses its specialness which is the whole point mm. of it in the first place so if they're going to keep stratagems and not have them as special rules for the unit a once per battle this unit may do this special rule um maybe they make stratagems once per battle or something like that all stratagems are just a one use you use it it's done it's gone that would be nice, but uh, who mm. knows what will happen. But they are too much in terms of the number of them, the complexity. The some apply to some units and not apply to others. The in all essences, uh, stratagems are are a bit just a bit too much. And I think stratagems have made me think both talking about stratagems and uh, your actual talk about the parasitic uh, effect of the the parasite Mortrex made me yeah. actually think that there's something we haven't included in our list, but is the complexity of timings. Now, this game at the moment it has more phases than most versions of 40k have had. And we are now getting more steps and phases. This is like playing a game of Magic the Gathering at this point. Uh, where you have to do this response at the start yeah. of your at the start of the turn you do this in the at the start of your command phase you do this then you have your command phase at the end of your command phase you do this movement the, phase. At the, the end number of the movement of times, phase the, the the number of times um, my opponents let me do my litanies mm. in my movement phase because I'd forgotten to do my litanies in the command phase yeah. I must have done that more times than I remembered but it's yeah. it's bad to say. And, but it's um, because there's so much going on. It. It's there's so much going on yeah. that the game doesn't help you remember what to do when. Like, okay, I'm good, I use the Magic the Gathering example as a, as a bit of an insult, but Magic the Gathering, yes, it's very phase-driven, but the phases are very structured, and most of the time there are physical cards present in the play space as part of the core game that remind you what's going on. They remind you on the card when it triggers, is the word they use. 40k doesn't have that. It has the complexity of that many things going on, but it doesn't have the mm. robustness of a system and presence on the table to show you what's going on. You have to make your own reminder cards. You know, if you have a Parasite of Mortrex thing, you're going to want to make a token of your own doing. Or maybe it comes with something on the sprue, but you're going to want to make something that you put next to the unit to remind you. There are so many things that you need to do to remind you that that to me suggests that the game has got to a state of complexity where rather than before you'd be like, oh, I accidentally skipped a phase, I'll go back. Now you are forgetting loads of things I find when you're playing a game. I'm constantly going back and saying, yep. oh yeah, I need to redo that. Oh yeah, that wasn't actually according to the rules. That might suggest that the rules are a bit too complex. Not the rules, because yeah. the core rules aren't that complex. The layered on stuff has, 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 has overtaken, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I prefer the old way of doing things where um, everything was in the main rulebook and then everything in the codex is referred to that main rulebook. Mm. It's, it's also the um, universal special rules made it easier. The uh, problem was, 
a unit would have a would would they would want to do something with a unit and they would just point to the universal special rule in the rule book that did roughly what they were going for with that unit mm. and the problem was they would overlap with other things and bro- and be broken because they would come out editions later so having it on their data sheet is a really good way of doing it you know like they have deep strike is everyone has a different flavor to deep strike but it basically does the same thing um yep. before they would just say like deep strike according to the core rules and it it was you know and there were things like fear unless, and unless hate. they made unless they made universal special rules uh like they do with the keywords so um i don't know deep strike but within six inches so you go to the main rule book and it says you can you can turn up on the battlefield from turn two uh not within nine inches of an enemy unit or deployment zone and that okay. is the special rule and then you have caveats in the data sheet right yeah but there are other ways I think you have to kind of simplify the game down yourself. That's what I've found, which I think is probably what you'll get into in your match play versus open play uh, discussion that you've alluded to already. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I said, this was the first time I played like proper open play. And I must admit, I did miss secondaries. Secondaries, to me, give a variety to the game mm-hmm. where you're not just doing exactly the same over and over again. I mean, it helped that I played four different opponents that I'd never seen before. Uh, I played four armies that I can't remember the last time I played Tyranids. I can't remember the last time I played um, Necrons. And obviously, I played World Eaters quite recently, some yep. would say. Um, but it, it, that was enough variety for me. And mm-hmm. um, it worked with open play. I think if we were playing constantly the same opponents secondaries are one of those layers of complexity that you actually need to give variety yes well there's a difference between variety and complexity yeah but then variety can be complexity yes you've got lots of uh, another layer of uh, in this case secondaries to think about on top of your rules on top of the interactions with those secondaries as well for sure it's 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 things like the secondaries and variable missions and things like that they make the game they make each game different and interesting Mm. the problem with stratagems are the stratagems should make the game variable and interesting because you'd be like oh i'm in this situation i need to pull off this stratagem but that's not how stratagems are used you need something that's adding the variety to the game even if it makes it more complicated because the variety is what keeps you coming back to play the game and not playing the same battle over and over again um and yeah so i think i think you're right you know i i kind of do like secondaries in terms of what they're doing for the game, I just don't like playing with them myself because the game is already too complicated. They are like the they're for me the straw that broke the camel's back uh, in terms of complexity because you can issue them if you want to play open war or you want to play um, open play. I like open war because it does vary the missions up a little bit. But I would like to see the game be less complicated in terms of the layers of crap that you've got to sift through and have secondaries because that gives you something interesting to think about in the game. And think about while you're playing, not struggle yep. to remember. There's a difference between interesting things to think about when playing and trying to sift through too much to figure out what you're supposed to do. So yes, I mean secondaries are definitely the first thing to block uh, to drop when you are teaching someone how to play the game. Yes. Um. Uh, but sort of for once they've once they've mastered all the different phases and all that sort of stuff, secondaries would be the, the last thing to add. Um. I find the other thing about match play versus open play is uh, power level versus points. I have always been a points person. Yeah. Points just make everything easier. Yes, unless you've got a um, an app 
app that does it all for you. Um, you need a math degree to work out some of the points yeah. uh, for your armies. Um, and often you get it wrong because uh, something will override something or something replaces something else. And you don't know if yeah. you need to pay for the points for the original one, that sort of thing. Um before you've even started playing the game, there is a level of complexity uh, when it comes to it. And that's if you've got the latest version of FAQs, erratas, rules, points, balance updates in front of you at the time when you're writing it as well. Yep. Luckily, we live in an age of um, apps that constantly update themselves if they have updated themselves. So it takes like <laughs> a week or two to come through. So, yeah, it's, it's another sort of nod towards open play. The only issue is that power level seems to be very um variable yeah i mean at at small small power levels it's fine it's when you're um working at higher power levels i think the difference between units is um um exponential yeah and it becomes more and more of an issue the higher points you get because the yeah, they're probably like one or two power levels out each unit, but then as soon as you've got 20 units, you've got a whole like uh, extra two units worth of power level to play with versus another army that you should be level on points with. Yeah, especially it's, if you've built uh, your army around points. So, you know, uh, the Death Watch stuff, for example, that I built, mm. I built it with paying points in mind. So there's a bunch of dudes with shotguns and there's a bunch of dudes with just bolters. Uh, yeah. There's a couple of you special have all weapons. All shotguns if you're playing power levels. Yeah. That's the issue. Well, if you're playing power levels, you have all thunder hammers and storm shields and frag, frag head guns and frag launchers and laser eyes and everything. Um, laser <laughs> that's pushing it too far. But do you know what I mean? Like the, the difference is you can have a unit that does a bit of light shooting uh, and you included it because it's got a cool looking models with a thunder hammer in there versus a yeah. tooled up death machine. Um, and there's quite a few units in Jewel various... Thunderhammer uh, Death Company. <laughs> there's v- various numbers of units that where you can just abuse the power level system. Yeah. Um, but it's not there for it's there for pick up and play games, isn't it? That's what yep. the, that's what the power level. It's, it's all about it's... your opponent when it comes to that. Right tool for the right job, I think, for that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, an, an interesting comparison. I think pick the game mode that suits you. Uh, I'm way less into playing matched play games, but I think I will always use points for this building. I, I'm I'm looking forward to when Maelstrom comes back. I know it's more complexity, but at least it's written down in front of you rather yeah. than secondaries that are um yeah, you just have to remember and, and think ahead rather than just read a card in front of you. The next point I wanted to make is how would someone new approach forty K? So we've covered this topic in the past, but I think it's quite um relevant to this conversation and that yeah. is how complex is it for someone that's played tabletop sort of dice games before or even model games so coming over from i don't know like malifaux or or even just warhammer fantasy and someone that's never played a tabletop sort of war game before and they're two different scenarios but they both come back to explaining the different phases and explain it in simple terms is very very hard just because the number of interactions and caveats and things that can't really be left out of an explanation just pile it on it's it's really hard to explain to someone how the game works if they are 
completely new to the system and actually there's there's a video series that um liam dempsey on his youtube channel is currently running and he's basically telling he's basically teaching his wife how to play the game and they spent two hours on the shooting phase and it still hadn't completely clicked for her granted she is completely new to the game and had has never played a d6 sort of war game before but it just shows how complex it all yeah. is like you've got ranges and you've got half ranges and what does rapid fire or salt and heavy mean and have you moved in the previous phase and can yeah. you see them behind cover and what does dense dense cover mean and what does light cover mean and there's all of these different subsections yes you can miss, miss out like cover you, you can ignore cover for an intro game but if you want to learn the game properly you can miss out advanced stuff but some of the more basic stuff is very complicated as well. It's it's a lot of the modifiers as well, right, that go on top of. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing as well. No, yeah. I don't just mean to hit modifiers. I mean the game modifiers. And this this is where, you, like you say, you have to kind of add one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Um, mm. And there isn't really a simple way to point to what a unit does. That's the problem, especially you, even if you look at the stats, it's like, uh, I like the degradation of vehicles to a certain point, but that's something you've got to get your brain around. It's like, well, how damaged is my vehicle? You know, it makes sense. How damaged is my vehicle? What level on this chart is it? But it, you've got to look at one thing, then you've got to you've got to cross reference, and that's when it becomes difficult to introduce the game system to a new person. Um, so you know, I would not include vehicles, for example, in an intro yeah. game, which sucks because vehicles are cool. When people play a war game, they want to drive their giant tank around and make boom boom noises while it blows up dudes who are standing in the open. Like that's a cool part of what the game is, but you can't include that because it's too complicated. You know, mm. you've got to look up. Well, what's my rule? Well, my rule is a rapid. No, like say space marines. Space marines are your, your go-to for everyone, right? So like it's like oh my primaris guy. It's like okay, so how many attacks does he have? Like how many shots does he make? Well, he makes what guns he got? I don't know. He's got this rifle-looking thing. Well, what scope and what scope and ammo feed is on that gun to tell you what type of gun it is? Because they have three gun options uh, and they all look the bloody same. <laughs> um, this is the one with one shot. Okay, cool. Well, it's not actually one shot because you're 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 within half range, so you're going to be firing two shots. Oh, okay. So then you can, you know later in the game. Oh well, I've you know I've I've moved uh, I've moved, but I can't quite get within two shot ranges. Oh, well, it would be better if you stayed still because you've got a special rule that means actually you fire two yeah. shots with, and so on and so forth. It's like oh, I have I have th- two attacks in combat. Well, no, because this is this is the first turn of combat. And you've charged, and you've got this. You've been charged, so you get an extra attack. Oh, okay, but that's not a rule for everyone. That's just—it's not on their stat sheet. I like what you said before yeah. about if they've got an interesting different rule, put it on their stat sheet. I know you can't completely clog up a data sheet, but most normal units will have one, maybe two special rules. What I was talking about earlier is stratagems. Just give them a stratagem and have two special rules on their data sheets. You can ignore the stratagem page and you're not taking uh, unit X, Y, and Z, but you are taking unit F. Okay, great. You only need the data sheet for F and you only need the special rule for F. You don't have to worry about what's going on in stratagems and if you can play it and when you play it because it'll tell you right there. Yeah. It uh... it goes back to your cross-reference thing. Yeah, as soon as you've got to start looking things up in multiple places and remember something that modifies what you're looking up, it, it becomes difficult. And I know that's some of the cool things about the game, um, but from a beginner's standpoint, um, it's very difficult. So it's a blast back to a good comparison of like playing D&D. Uh, if you played in 
like 3.5 or before that version edition uh there was lots of cross-referencing you know a cleric one of the things the cleric does is banishes the undead by turning them you had to look on like three separate sections of the book to actually work out how to do it whereas it now it's just in their thing on one page it just tells you exactly there this is how you do this thing and i think which is a positive which is a positive positive change eighth and ninth editions it's better but it's still not where it could be because there is so much so this is this is leading quite nicely onto my next point is should there be a reset every edition i am on the fence i think what needs to happen is a longevity to an edition before you can reset it because it's going to be feel bad if um i don't know the chaos space marine player has their codex for six months gets to play three games with it and then suddenly it's back to indexes again when 10th edition comes oh, in. So the 7th to 8th switch you're describing there then when chaos got screwed <laughs> Yeah. So when we went from 8th to ninth, reset everything, all the white dwarfs, all the supplements, everything's gone. Um, you're just back to generic index <sighs> marines. The problem with that is it takes a long time to build up the cinematic element again. Yeah, they'd have to have all the codexes ready to go at launch. That would be another. Th- that's another problem: is the wait for codex. That's, that is not a complexity discussion. That's a what the GW doing discussion uh, alongside. But I mean, that's yeah. a hand. How the there's a ma- for me there's a massive problem with how the rules are accessible to the player. Um, but that is another. That's another. That's a whole separate. Uh, I mean, how how would you rant. how would you combat that because. If you released all of the codexes at the same time, there would be a lot of codexes with units that didn't have models in there, which I know used to be a complete staple of of codexes of the past. I mean, I've converted my fair number of uh, units that didn't have models. From a rules perspective, I think that would be the way to do it, is you execute, yes, you execute the next version, everything is updated in rules, in rules and paperwork terms. Uh, yes, that wouldn't work. Well, tell you what it would work if, Dave, if the game was digital. Yeah? If everything was digital, then you reset at the 10th edition, everything gets put to a new set of rules, everything is digitized, six months down the line, uh, the, the... Six months down the line, uh, there's a new aspect is added to the Eldar army because they've been building the fluff for it for, for donkey's years or whatever. Boom. Yep. Those models come out. They're, digit- they're digitally added to the codex or whatever yep. you want to call it in the book and exactly boom, that. job done. I would like to see them handle it how they handle Age of Sigmar where the core rules for a unit are free and they are yep. available in an app that is updated. Uh, you can buy your battle tomes, which is what they call their codexes. If you want the army special rules if you want the you're 100% this you get this cool extra stuff you want your special tailored relics you want all the flavorful jazz yeah you want all that bang there's your there's your book to buy if you want to just throw some models on a table and chuck some dice at your mates all the rules are available for free in a in a in a core app that is updated. Now I don't know actually how well updated the Age of Sigma app is going to play, actively play Age of Sigma um it might be absolute trash but it shouldn't be. Um but the point being you don't have to buy anything. Pay. You don't have to buy anything other than toy soldiers from GW to play Age of Sigma, which I really like. Which, which you probably would anyway. If if the codex was free and I picked up the codex, I could go. Well, at thirty quid, I'll buy a box of yeah. 
like termagants are I will buy a box of neophyte hybrids yeah. because I hadn't I didn't have to buy the codex. Yeah. There's I mean there's a few things that I might have physically like the data cards. I I quite like data cards. They're very handy. Them in front very of me. handy. Especially for stuff like psychic powers. Uh, and and debuffs and stuff where you put the card next to the yeah. unit which you mentioned earlier it's very good in that sense but yeah i i i would love that and that's probably the way it's going to go at some point is everything will go digital i'd like to see them make the core rules free and all of the faqs just added to the core rules yeah. for free and then yes the supplements you pay for and whenever a new unit is added the digital version comes out you buy the box you get the code and you enter the code in and suddenly you've got your um your entry in your digital version yeah the, the big problem i st- that, that i think we, we're stuck with at the moment is gw doesn't have a significant competitor so there are a lot of things they do they make mm. the best miniatures in the world that is a fact and you've got to kind of accept that even if you don't like the price or whatever uh, the problem is they don't have a competitor to compare against in terms of size. There are a bunch of game systems that do a lot of things better than GW do. Mantic's Kings of War system, which I've harped on about before, is super simple yet tactically deep and fun. And the core rulebook has everything in it. And it has the army lists for like the 12 most core fantasy armies that they do. You know, your elves, your dwarves, everything is in the book. So you buy the book and you just play. Super simple. Um, There are universal special rules. There are universal magic items and you can only take the universal magic items. Yeah, it loses a little bit of flavor, but it works really well. Uh, X-Wing, for example, I hated the way they handled the switch from one to two version, but version two is fully digitized. You have an app that has... You know, uh, you you build all your lists in the app because the points are all regularly updated. The rules are published into the app. Everything's like there, available and updated um, to keep things correct and consistent. Because at the end of X Wing's edition, first edition, they'd buried themselves in update after update after update, and it got un- unmanageable. I mean, I like books. Okay, I don't. Read I love. In, I, I don't love read enough. Books. I love books. I like the option to buy. Books. I tell you, I tell you what, I'd like is the the, the whole digital thing, and then we buy campaign books we buy campaign books that are um full of fluff full of pictures full of everything to do with that campaign and you can close it put it away and not worry about those rules because like some of the is it the vigilus like a blaze and a light and fire starter <laughs> books were were really interesting some of the the missions were really cool and yeah. really inventive but because the book went out of date those missions are now out of date and no one plays them anymore yeah and you mentioned crusade actually because we were super pumped about trying to play crusade when it first got announced it was right up our street with the narrative element and all the cool mm-hmm. stuff you can do i must have I still played want to. i've played three games of crusade three yeah, i haven't i think i played three games of crusade i cannot be bothered with the paperwork afterwards it's super annoying <laughs> They were supposed. They yeah. promised us a Warhammer Plus related app, uh, what nine months ago or something. And I know that GW and promising apps is like becoming a bit of a meme in itself. But like, <laughs> it's just it. Um, I like the I like the concepts. I just, I just they're the outsourcing pay- to the wrong companies. Believe me. <sighs> yeah, but you know stuff like that. It's just another one of a cool idea that is buried in complexity and, and paperwork. I just yeah, it, they they needed to make that more 
um, streamlined. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's 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 been there's been suggestions from the community, and I quite like the suggestion of uh, making Crusade again. This is very close to what I was talking about with the campaign books, but making Crusade books based on events like the Fall of Cadia or the Siege of Terror. Didn't or, they do that? Didn't uh, they have these little A five A five things that came out? There was a Sisters of Battle one because uh, a friend of ours bought it and wanted to play some Crusade the, stuff out the, of it. There but... were Crusade books, yeah, because there was uh, Pariah Nexus as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if they elaborated on that and had Crusade rules specifically for that, but that only works if you've got the whole digital thing and my entire life is in it. Yeah. yeah, my entire life is on this tablet. So yeah, I think I think just to put my thoughts into a, a bit of a epilogue, <laughs> Uh, it is too complicated not necessarily for me being a person with one or two arm or few armies um, and playing one game system i don't play other game systems i haven't even touched kill team i haven't even touched crusade like we were just saying yeah um it's not too complicated for me because i know my armies or at the moment i'm learning other armies but i know my core army i know the core rules i'm used to it at the moment especially after playing four games in quick succession Mm -hmm. but yeah trying to introduce someone else or trying to even just trying to learn a new army i've found is very complicated because you're trying to not only get all of the new rules and what everything does for the new army and all the stratagems you're trying not to forget what you've learned for the other army as well at the same time yeah and i'll sum mine up by saying that yeah for me 40k is too complicated um but i'll caveat that with uh, a lot of that is me kind of learning how i want to play the game and i don't want to play it as a strategy game i want to play it as a sim as a I want to play it as a cinematic battle simulator with my mates, which is why I think for me, I, I that's why I dislike the complexity because um, I just want to get lost in the, you know, cinematics of what's going on and not suddenly realize that I've screwed up by not activating two things that I should have activated uh, back in the X, Y, Z. And now I put myself in a, you know, a, a, a stacked poor position or whatever. Right. So let's try and end on a high note after... <laughs> What sounds like a massive complaint for the last half an hour. Well, yeah, I mean, it's complicated. I like where it is. You're on the fence. So, yeah, uh, yeah. let's let's move on to metallics, shall we? Let's do it. So I want to talk about painting metallics um, because I've been doing a fair few things with uh, different products recently. Uh, Some have Mm -hmm. been great. Some have been uh, frustrating, although Dave and I disagree. So we'll we'll get on to that one. Um, (laughs) First up, this is true metallics when you use actual paints with bits of metal in. Uh, this is not about non-metallic metal. Uh, just nope for me. That is incredibly um, skill dependent, and I'll just hard pass on on even trying. I, I look at people who I look at tutorials it's, on how to paint it, and my mind just doesn't get. It's time dependent. So I've done okay. it before, and it's worked, but it's taken freaking forever. Okay, because I've had to keep go. I mean, that's where the skill comes in because I've had to keep going back over. Okay, yes. Yeah. So we will focus on how to paint actual. With actual metallic paints. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, there's two kind of main ways of, of doing this. And this is step one is your traditional GW approach to everything. Now, this is the GW method of uh, base paint something, uh, shade it, highlight it. 
usually with some sort of edge highlighting approach. This does look good in metallics, so if you base your metal in something like Lead Belcher, um, and then you want to, to, to GWify it, shade it with some Null Noil, and then highlight it with some Stormhost Silver. Um, or if you don't want to go quite that bright, I think it's... Uh, what's the dwarf one? Ironbreaker? Ironbreaker, yeah. Ironbreaker. Um, it gives you a nice crisp finish. This is good for your cleaner looking metallics, I find. You get a bit more of a mm. sharpness look to it. See, I disagree because okay. I really don't like the look of edge highlighted metals. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, I mean, this 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 goes back to my whole sort of paint style anyway. But I much prefer layer highlights on metals, just because large areas would attract the light yes. rather than just the corners. Yes, I'm talking. I'm, I'm I'm focusing on how GW would get you to do it. Yeah, is that for that cream clip, clean, crisp, sharp look? Good for things mm-hmm. like swords and uh, weapons that have a that oh, yeah, have a sharp edge, those, right? Yeah. And, and and angular armor plating and all that sort of thing. But um, I think the the median on this is kind of where you're you're leaning towards, which is to do your base layer, yeah, and potentially a shade, um, and then to start layering your brighter metallics. Maybe have three progressions. Uh, so three colors, so two progressions, however you want to think about it, um, to build up uh, the reflection of the metal. And again, we're not getting into non-metallic metals where on a curved surface you're supposed to actually invert the highlights because it gets very confusing about how light behaves. Oh, yeah. I, I, you and I, I think, have focused more on that zenithal approach of top-down, you know, the upper-facing surfaces you're doing more layer. Um, well, the difference is that we use metallic paints for metallic surfaces. Yes. So it naturally cuts, um, catches the light anyway. And it helps you paint as you go along, because I find that with the metallic paints, when you're looking at your model and you've got your base on there, you can already see where the metallic paint is catching the highlights from its mm-hmm. from its shape. That tells you where to put a little bit more paint. Um, and then for me, the third approach is the kind of the old metal look, and that is to start with the dark base, um, and you've got to do this step first, normally. This is a classic um, how to paint Thousand Suns or Chaos or whatever. Uh, do this first because it's messy. And that is to base it in a dark color and then dry brush up. And this gives you more of a burnished look um, because you're yep. you're buffing the color onto the model. So you know, we all know how dry brushing works and catching the edges and the top surfaces and things. But it does kind of simulate that worn metal where dirt is collecting in the recesses of the metal you know water's running into the recesses and aging the metal that way and you end up with that antique look to the metal um because you've essentially used the effects of time but with paints to kind of generate that look of uh it being a very soft transition from the shade to the to the highlight like you say it's not that stark uh edge highlight effect um, you can slap on some edge highlights to make it look like chipped, like you've just been in battle or whatever, but it does give that kind of antique look is how I'll describe it. So this is actually how I do metals. Mm. So I use a dark base coat. Usually it's Balthazar gold if I'm going for a more brassy gold. Okay, yep. um, but if I'm going for a brighter gold, it it's Retributor armor. Good, good paint. Uh, and then it depends on how dark I want it, whether I go straight into highlights or um, I use a wash on it. Yeah. Uh, and then paint it up from there. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't dry brush it, but I do layer on, especially if it's something like trim, where there's not mm-hmm. a lot of surface area, I will completely bypass the the shading and just not paint over the darker bits in those recesses. Yeah. 
and I, I think that this is this gives you the options to then pick your look based on what you're painting you know uh, mm-hmm. is this a knight in fresh armor in which case he's going to be all super shiny and clean is this a battle-worn space marine or chaos marine who's corrupted etc and you want that dark dirty look to it you, yep. you can pick as appropriate um but we can't not talk about what paints to use so i personally am not a fan of the gw metallic paints with the exception of retributor armor okay which is yeah. i am so i'm all on board with you on that one uh retributor armor is great um, i will say that um lead belcher the base the the base silver is very good i find i don't like its texture it sounds weird i know but so i i always i always dull it down with a shade anyway okay yeah. um so that's that's always dulled down um the other one is only recently i started using it. it's liberator gold so it's from okay. the same family yeah. as retributor armor it's the highlight, um, isn't it? and that doesn't tend to separate like the other metals do okay, i find yeah. if i'm using a metal for more than one brush stroke um this is stuff like runefang steel stormhouse silver it just one bit's got a bit of silver on on the brush and the other bit's just milky gray yeah, it's not great it's 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 horrible so yeah i'm i'm completely with you on on anything other than the base coats with one exception uh, for games workshop is is pretty bad yeah I, I i've recently had a lot of success with with the vallejo game air range uh, okay. air paints as well which is a funny thing it's designed for airbrushing but what that means is you get a pre-thinned uh, paint that is not so yep. runny that it it's not airbrush runny it's actually quite got quite a bit of body to it um but the pigment particles are very fine because the biggest problem with airbrushing metallics is you've got the metallic flakes in the paint they jam up your airbrush so these ones have got like an extra fine grind um and Mm. the silver um has insane coverage um so byron from uh, artis opus uses uh this paint all the time um and it's it's absolute magic um but uh, i like their brasses as well um, and they do a color that's the same as tin bits as well from the old G Dubs range. Is that is that brassy brass? Uh, you've got yes, brassy brass, but also there because I have that. There we go because it's it's a great brass it's a color, great brass color. And they've got things like there's one called Rust, which is actually just a dulled brass, which is really nice. Um, oh, nice. Their golds are trash though, like worse than GW. I wouldn't. I've bought the Vallejo Air Gold, thinking it. Oh, their, their metallics in their air range are really good. The gold is horrendous. I'm tempted to just like chuck it in the bin. It's so bad. I just cannot get on with it. So yeah, um, funny you should say that because they do also do another range Vallejo, which yes. is called Metal Color, and I swear by it. Mm. So you hate it. Yeah. Well, I hate it for base coating. I hate it for base coating. See, I'd never use it for base coating because I I like Lead Belcher and I like uh, Retributrama or um, Balthazar Gold, again, depending on what I'm painting. Yeah, um, yeah the metal colour needs a shake because it does start to separate yeah. the same as the Games Workshop ones, not as quickly, I must say. Um, but the finish is much better than the Games Workshop ones. Okay. And it is. I've got the two bright ones. Uh, one is literally called Gold. And nice. the other one's called matte aluminium. Okay, but they're design- um, again they're designed for an airbrush, right? As in, they're so designed so they- again they've got that fine pigment, so you get a very nice shine off them. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, they they are metal color airbrush colors. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I paint them on. I haven't put them through the airbrush. Yes, they are very liquidy, but the finish you get 
is very good and it's very easy to control if you only use a tiny bit as well so mm. uh, they're very good for bringing up colors and they're very bright so i use them for the layer highlighting yeah. after i've used a, a retributor armor okay nice or something like that and, and the last one i wanted to call out is um the ammo mig uh dry brush paint range so okay. they are not like gw dry paints do not confuse the two gw dry paints uh we don't swear on the show anymore but they are utter rubbish <laughs> they're <laughs> very very bad products see i never know if mine them. have dried out or they're meant to be like that yes and no at the same time they're because I've got I've got Rise of Rust and that was always quite good. That's that's kind of a technical paint I think they actually call that and it's it's deliberately supposed to be like that. But the other ones are awful. Every single other dry paint I've bought has been is it called dry now? Oh, it used to be called a technical paint back in the day. That one's not so bad, but the others are awful. Um, <laughs> these ones <laughs> these ones have like a gel. They're really weird texture. They have like a gel like consistency, uh, but they are. Um, the metals, at least in this range, are amazing. They do two, a dark metal and a very bright metal. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've never dry brushed before with a paint where, you know, you, you do the usual, put it on the brush, swirl it on some paper, take it straight to the model, and it perfectly caught all the edges and raised surfaces. There was no streaking. And I then tested it by, like, you know, running the brush down a bit and really aggressively buffing it. Uh, it didn't um go into the recesses um i deliberately put too much on the brush and didn't wipe it off properly it didn't streak everywhere it was surprisingly good and i was showing my brother-in-law and he doesn't do dry brushing um no i don't his thing Uh, he couldn't believe how easy it was it took me less than five minutes to paint the skeleton on my warlord titan adeptus titanica scale so like a redemptor dreadnought sized model uh it took Mm -hmm. minutes to do all of the metallics and they look really good there's something in the binder where it doesn't streak or smudge like a regular paint does when you dry brush it because it's been designed for dry brushing and we know the ammo products are pretty good so highly recommend Interesting. Uh, and they're not that expensive it was like three pounds something for a 40 mil pot so nice good value i for might see if they do a gray uh, they do loads <laughs> of colors do loads of colors yeah and the final thing to touch on, just as we want to wrap this up, is what finish do you give your model? Because the one thing you don't want to do if you've painted loads of metallics on your model is to hit it with a matte varnish. If I'm going to do a matte finish to my army, because I want it to be deliberately matte, I would actually matte the model and paint the metallics afterwards um, because they lose so much of their shine effect uh, by hitting them with a matte varnish. If you are not drop you know going for flat matte on your armor or or on your models that you're painting um i would go with a satin or if they're highly metallic even a gloss finish um not like you know glass coat gloss where it's super shiny um, but a satin or glossy finish because it really plays into the reflectiveness of the metals uh, whereas matting you lose a lot of that effect so adjust your finish of spray paint I just finished a spray varnish to match depending on how much metallics on your model. I did my contrast marines that were contrast over silver. Um, I did them with a slightly glossy finish and it looked significantly better. Um, I did matte them down when I first sprayed them. I'm like, that looks awful. I've ruined this model. I then put a gloss coat over the top and it looked so much better So because they're oh. mostly metallic. Um, so like your Alpha Legion or something like You're going to want to hit them with a gloss finish to finish them off. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Great. Okay, so, I mean, we're on the two-hour mark of recording, <laughs> so I will wrap this up now quickly. Don't worry, you uh, we... cut down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, we are available on facebook.com forward slash Podcast. 
our website, floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. Cheers, guys, for listening. Speak to you next show. Bye.